Before we get to the show, we wanted to take a minute to ask you to do something for us, if, if you can. You might not know that this podcast and everything you love from NPR depends on listeners who donate to their local NPR stations. Truly, everything you hear is made possible by you. If you've made Book the Day part of your listening routine, we'd really appreciate your support. You can give now at npr.org donate. And thank you. Hi, it's NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Andrew Limbaugh. Looking through photo albums that aren't yours or your family's is such a funny experience. You know, you flip through these old pictures of people you don't know and start to feel a weird sort of nostalgia for a life you didn't live. There's a photo in today's book that hits that same note for me. It's of an apartment building. It looks old, and it's got those locked black gates in the front, and it has this like lived-in feel to it. You can almost imagine kids running out and slamming the gate shut because they're late to catch the bus or something. It's actually a photo of Dwayne Wade's childhood home in Chicago. The NBA star has a new memoir out, and it's mostly old photographs, pictures of him at games, training, chilling, watching TV. He told Here and Now's Tanya Mosey why he chose to go that route instead of a more traditional memoir, and how he came to the realization that he had nothing left to give to basketball. You think you know what it takes to be one of the top players in the NBA? Some things we can guess. Perseverance, hard work, maybe some athletic skills you're just born with. Well, retired NBA star Dwayne Wade is sharing some of the secrets to his success in a new photographic memoir called Dwayne. It's a collection of never-before-seen photos of Wade and the stories behind them, from his days at Marquette University to his 16-year stint with the Miami Heat and everything in between. Dwayne Wade joins us now. Welcome to Here and Now. Thank you, Tanya. I appreciate it. Thanks for that intro. Yeah, well, you know, Dwayne, this is a beautiful book. There are photos mostly taken by your, your personal photographer, interwoven with your thoughts, why did you choose to tell your story this way instead of a conventional memoir? It was all about wrapping up my career, but I wanted to do it visually. I didn't want it to just be words. I wanted you to be able to visually see what I'm talking about. So you get a better understanding about moments. Um, and I'm sharing some private moments some private photos that's taken behind the scenes. Some of me on the couch with things between my toes, my feet <laughs> out. You know, I, there's some cool moments that was captured and I'm giving them some some insight a little bit more on it instead of that five-minute interview after the game. Well, the photographs are captivating. And I can understand it, I guess, because, you know, I mean, basketball is a visual game. And so you wanted to be able to showcase that. The book is broken up into seven chapters, pre-game and first quarter, all the way through to the post-game. In it, you take us behind the scenes, the training and the importance of coaching. And I want to start there because, as you say, behind every good player is a good coach. And you share a bit about all of them, including Pat Riley, which is a really funny story. Um, and Stan Van Gundy, who you say allowed you to play your way. Yes. Can you describe why that was? How, how did that relationship with Coach Stan help you develop your game? Stan allowed me to grow eventually on the court. You know, he allowed me to be young, make mistakes, uh, but he was tough on me. He got on my butt, <laughs> but he just allowed me to become whoever I was going to become. He and he was a yeller up. too, right? Oh, he's a screamer. He still yeah. is. He still is. He still is. I, I love Stan, but boy, Stan, I can still hear Stan in my ear. I can still hear him saying, let's go, like really loud. And um, But he was, a, he was a great coach for me, yes. Yeah. 
You've spoken quite a bit about your mother's struggle with with drug addiction and her ultimate ability to overcome her addiction. But in the book, there's a special picture of her in the crowd watching your last conference game at Marquette. And we learned that she was on parole and had to get permission to attend that game. What was it like at the time to see her in the stands? Yeah, it was, um, you know, it's crazy. I just just read a letter recently from my mom that she wrote me in 2002. Uh, It was from prison. My mom was, was in prison in 2002. And my son, Zaire, was just born around that time. And in the letter, she talked about, I cannot wait to, to meet my grandson. I cannot wait to see my son play. And at the time, I was talking about his NBA talk, and she was giving me you know, motherly advice. And so her coming down and us getting an opportunity, I think she was out of jail for like nine days at that time. And a parole officer who, who name was Wade allowed her to come up. And she got a chance to meet her grandson for the first time. She got a chance to see her son and hear his name and see the jerseys and feel, you know, proud as a mother um, for the first time. And she got to see me go out there and do what she used to take me to do when we were kids. When I was a little kid, she used to take me to the park and tell me to go find my game. She got a chance to watch me find my game in front of the world and win a championship. Um, My life before that moment felt in shambles. But at that moment, that was the first time when my life started to feel like the pieces started coming together. Hmm. How wonderful is it to see her living her best life now? It's like... As a kid, you know, especially a little boy who loves his mother, you want nothing but you want the big house. You know, you want, you know, you want nothing but great things for your mother. You, I worked hard. I always told my mother, I wrote her letters when I was a kid, just like many stories. I'm going to get you out of here. I'm going to get you that house. I'm, and to be able to make good on that promise, to be able to know that I've worked so hard to be able to afford a life that my mother can, can live and live it fully and really tap into who Joe Linda is. Uh, because she lost herself along the way. And now she, at 67, she gets to tap back into that little girl who wanted to to write, who wanted to sew, who wanted to be an actress or whatever. She taps into it and she has the freedom to do it. And, and she has so much joy in her face. So I'm just a, a lucky little boy who was able to, you know, make some dreams come true. Yeah. Okay, basketball fans and especially Dwayne Wade fans are going to love this part of the book where you basically give some of your secrets away. One strategy of yours we know uh, from one of the most famous photographs of your career, and that's your alley-oops. Can you briefly explain uh, some of what that secret sauce of Dwayne Wade play entails, including what an alley-oop is? So actually very underrated part of my game is my Hmm. passing ability. Um and <laughs> the alley oops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you know, I, I'm a very good lob thrower. You know, we call it the alley oop, but it, you know, it's throwing lobs. And I've had some very good targets. First of all, I've had Shaq, I've had LeBron, I've had some targets. Just throw that thing up there. Um, and so I go through the book and I break down parts of my game that people can remember: the the Euro step, the shot fake, the the alleys, like, and what I'm thinking and and why. I'm, I'm making these passes and these moves at this time. Uh, but the the famous one that's in Milwaukee, everyone think is an alley, but it was a bounce pass to LeBron. Ah. Um, that everyone thinks I like threw a lot, but I didn't. I threw a bounce pass, which allowed me to put my arms out like this. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Speaking of, of LeBron, I mean, people are always trying to pit you guys against each other. Like there's a rivalry. You really put that to bed in this book. He's like a brother to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a rivalry in sports as you compete against each other, trying to win a championship and trying to become 
the best player that you can become. But this brotherhood is, is only a few of us. It's a, it's a small fraternity. You know, myself, uh, Carmelo, LeBron, we all, Chris Bosh, we all came in in 2003. So we built something that we don't have with other people. And so um, just because someone is great in their respective sports in the same sport doesn't mean they can't be friends. Doesn't mean they can't have respect for each other. Doesn't mean they can't hang out together and things of this nature just because you're great. And it's, it's, it's messed up that way because in the real world, no one would say anything if Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos hung out together and yeah. went to movies together. I think it's the coolest thing in the world. Or in sport, LeBron and Dwayne go to a movie together and it's, oh, it's fraternizing and they're not going to, whatever the case may be. So we've always stayed true to whatever friendship that we've been able to build over the years and just keep it as, you know, that's my guy. I'm his guy. We have our own special relationship. That's your guy. Throughout the book, you pay tribute to Miami. What does that city mean to you? I don't even know if I can put it into words. You know, I grew up from 21 years old to 37 years old, pretty much in, in front of the Miami uh, fan base. And what I love about that city is they, they always protected my family. They never pointed fingers at anything that went wrong. Um, the love has always been strong. And so I just thank them for allowing me to make mistakes and allowing me to grow up. And I try to, along the way, I try to give them memories and moments that they will never forget because they gave me so many. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I did that. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of your your family, happy belated birthday to your youngest, your daughter, Caveat. I mean, I'm amazed at how a child can look so much like a parent. Does that ever trip you out? <laughs> it is so trippy. Um, it's times where like she just steals all my facial expressions and like I'm just standing at her looking at myself back and forth in the mirror like everybody else. I'm like, why does she look like me so much? But she's incredible. Um, you know, she has a big following on social media and she's been, you know, throughout the pandemic, you know, throughout everything that's going on in the world, she's been that beacon, that that being light in our family. That joy is palpable to folks who follow you. Family is deeply important to you. You're married to actress Gabrielle Union, who who actually spoke with us recently on the show about your family life and, and your struggles to conceive. I mean, how did your children, specifically your daughter, play a role in your decision to retire? A, a big decision. You know, my daughter, um, you know, we tried for years, over five years of trying to bring this, uh, this miracle into the world, um, into our family. And we obviously, as my wife talked about, we had a tough time conceiving. We had a tough time um, getting to the finish line. There's a lot of reasons for it. And once we were finally able to bring our daughter into this world via surrogacy and all the doctors that, you know, was able to help us, you know, understand all the, the things we needed to know about my wife's body, about this process. Once we got to that point where she was finally on our way here, um, I, I felt that I, I didn't have nothing else to prove in the game of basketball anymore. Um, I really wanted to try to do this differently this time around. I missed so much of my my kids' lives. Um, and I didn't just want to be hanging on in the NBA to add more to my statistical scores or I didn't want to hang on because I had nothing else to do. And I just, this is all I knew. I just didn't want to do it. I felt it was time for me to walk away. Well, Dwayne, you have so many interests beyond basketball, food and wine and fashion and television. You've already written another book. It's just the beginning. Do you see yourself writing more books, sharing maybe the next leg of your life with your fans? You know what, Tanya? I didn't see myself writing out one book. And so <laughs> to be here on my second book is 
I don't know. It doesn't even make sense to me. But if I continue to experience things in life, if I continue to keep evolving, if I continue to keep having experiences that I feel others can can learn from, um, that I share with others, I will continue to put these ideas and these thoughts and these experiences on on hard copy. Dwayne Wade's new book is Dwayne. Thank you so much for this conversation, Dwayne. Thank you so much, Tanya. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And remember, visit donate.npr.org to support your local NPR station today. 